times on our program, we are encouraging you to pull your kids from the public school indoctrination camps as we so lovingly like to call them. But what was the education like in our founding father era? What were they teaching children? Did it have any biblical principles? Were they schooled according to the principles of Jesus Christ? I think that they were. And we're going to delve in today what was the education of just not only our founding fathers, but the people of that time? And I think that as we open up the the kind of books of old, the New England Primer and so many like that, we're going to see a reoccurring theme. And that is that our founding fathers understood that if you educate a child according to the principles of Jesus Christ, they will be a an upstanding member of society fully capable of taking on any task, including the British government. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't just, it's not just about one child being educated according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, what made the seedbed of our revolution was that the whole of society was saturated with the word preach. of God. Every single child was schooled, uh, according, not just the principles of the Bible, but with the Bible, the Bible being the main textbook of every single child in America since they came over, uh, since the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower. And I like to point this out. This is a, a compilation book. Uh, I, I got at Leo and Nancy's uh, store, the Jenny Museum there in Plymouth, Massachusetts. This is the New England Primer Collection from 1690 to 1843. And it has a lot of really great excerpts. And I, I like to read from this uh, for you guys so you can know just how how Christian uh, the American education was. I'm going to read from some uh, quotes to you while Michelle brings up a couple videos that I've got uh, pulled up here. Daniel Webster recounted a conversation he had with an early Thomas Jefferson on the reliance of Scripture and their importance. And he said... I've always said and always will say that the studious pursuit of the sacred volume will make better citizens, better fathers, and better husbands. The studious pursuit of the sacred volume, meaning you would study the word of God, be immersed in the word of God. The founding fathers believed that it was their duty not only to rely on the Bible, but also to teach it to their children. For example, John Adams, who spent a good portion of the war for independence away from his family, outlined to his precious wife, Abigail, the education their children should receive. The education of our children is never out of my mind. Wait, you mean he didn't just send his kids to public school and say, teach them, bring them back? Oh, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have to get away as a society from the idea. So the, the left has taken over education to the point that we're trying to get them back just to reading, writing, and arithmetic, okay? That's not the point of education. That's the devil's demarcation point where he's taking your kids right over into the pit of hell with the with the craziness going on uh, with the radical left, but he's keeping them out of heaven with the modern day education that they receive today. If your children are going to public school, it is as if they are being fed just junk food and Lucky Charms and Doritos all day, every day. And then you're like, well, maybe we could just give them some... Um, uh, uh, some healthy food when they get home. It's okay if if we give them, you know, a, a steak and potato once every few weeks or maybe on Sundays. Right. Um, but they're literally being fed ice cream and junk food when they're going to public school because without the well-roundedness of the gospel, no education will stand. 
He says, the education of my children is never out of my mind. Train them to virtue, habituate them to industry, activity, and spirit. Make them consider every vice as shameful and unmanly. Wow. Every vice as shameful and unmanly. And we've got people who think that manliness is getting drunk, partying, sleeping around. Guess what? If that's your case, if you're listening, unfortunately, I love country music in general. But when you turn on that station, it's about sleeping around. It's about getting drunk. And that's the manliness. That kind of mindset you won't have, you can't have a revolution. You have no seed bed for a good government. It will f- crumble and fall, even if you try. Okay. Um, fire them with ambition to be useful. Fire them. Fire them with ambition to be useful. You know, you got your kids on, on, on video games. And why is it that you know, we just got off a program with John Diamond? We were talking about the old school survival boot camp we have going up. That was a big mouthful. Old, old survival boot camp. Old school. Old school. So I can't even say it either. It's a mouthful. Old school survival boot camp. Uh, which we have coming up in May. If you go to our website and click on, on the upper right-hand corner, resistancechicks.com, you can enter in to get a free ticket to go. Um, also, if you go to Old School Survival Bootcamp Facebook page, if you like their page and send them a message and say, please enter me into your drawing, Resistance Chicks sent me, you can be entered in for a family pass. Um, but we were talking about children who uh, garden, who get live on a farm, they feel kids feel good about having responsibility Amen. and when kids come to our just little over one acre they all want to do something what can i do how can i plant some seeds here we go you know uh my little cousin um lincoln he just he's like can we plant some seeds i just want to plant some seeds he literally just wanted to plant some seeds you know he wanted to so here's, work in the garden here's the old school survival boot camp banner on resistance go there click on that and it will take you to all the information that you need. We are doing a giveaway. I want to insert that really quickly. Scroll down to the bottom, fill out this form, and you can be entered to win a weekend pass, a free weekend pass. We're going to be doing a drawing at the end of the month. Exactly. So that's a little uh, plug for that. Exactly. Um, Fire them with ambition to be useful. Make them disdain to be destitute of any useful or ornamental knowledge or accomplishment. Fix their ambition upon great and solid objects and their contempt upon little frivolous and useless ones. Um, I feel that way even as an adult because of our modern society. Sometimes I feel useless. Sometimes there's things that I'm like, I want to make this myself. Amen. I want to do this because it feels good. John Quincy Adams took the lessons he learned from his own parents to heart and later encouraged his own son to read the Bible for wisdom and virtue and, and it encourages. He goes, I invite you, I advise you, my son, in whatever you read and most of all in reading the Bible. To remember that it is for the purpose of making you wiser and more virtuous. I have myself for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. And he did that by reading five chapters every day. And uh, he says, I have always endeavored to read it with the same spirit and temper of mind, which I now recommend it to you. That is with the intention and desire that it may contribute to my advancement in wisdom and virtue. After Thomas Paine penned his Age of Reason, Attacking Christianity and the Bible, founding father Elias Boudinot wrote a book to refute Paine, dedicating that book to his daughter Susan, telling her, and, you know, a lot of people, where is a feminist? 
I was much mortified to find the whole force of this man's vain genius pointed at the youth of America. This awful consequence created some alarm in my mind, lest any at the future day you at any future day you, my beloved child, might take up this plausible address of infidelity. I have endeavored to, to show his extreme ignorance of divine scriptures, not knowing that they are the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Romans one sixteen. Um, Clearly, the founding fathers uh, considered the Bible to be indispensable to their own lives. Um, if you would like to bring up the Bible in American schools, it's a short uh, clip here with wall builders. And if you want educational materials for your kids, Dr. William Federer of the American Minute and wall builders, uh, David Barton, are the two number one places that I send everyone to go to get uh, Christian education for their kids, for yourself for learning about the gospel Dr. of Jesus Christ and teaching that to your kids. So uh, my security system <clears throat> will not let me access wall builders today. I'm going to have to go in and, and figure that out. So anything that you've got from wall builders itself, I'm not going to be able to access, but we've got the um, video here. I, I It is a threat to America um, establishment and evil people to find out the true history of our founding fathers and their education. So I can see why wall builders would be put on the threat list. Can you believe that? Mm. It's absolutely insane. All right, let me make sure I'm on the right screen here before we <clears throat> move forward. All right, we are there. Rush is a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Dr. Benjamin Rush is a signer of the Declaration of Independence. His friend, John Adams, said that he was one of the three most notable founding fathers. Among his many accomplishments, Benjamin Rush was a great educator. He actually helped start five universities. When America became a nation, up to then, education had been handled in every state individually. But now that we're a nation, he started saying, what do we need to be teaching students to make sure that we stay a nation and no longer just 13 states? And so he saw the Bible as being key to helping America stay a nation. In 1790, he actually started writing about education, how that the Bible has to be key to education if America is to remain a unified nation. People responded to what he wrote. And apparently one of those responses came from a man named William Young. He sent Dr. Benjamin Rush a Bible. And he said, I've just done this Bible. This is a great edition of the Bible to be used. And so Dr. Rush writes him back. And I want you to hear what Dr. Rush said about the Bible and how it relates to education. He said, all my hopes of the Reformation and prosperity of our country rest upon the restoration of the general use of the Bible as a school book. For the histories, the doctrines, and the precepts which are contained in it are the only solid foundations for public as well as private happiness. So he saw the Bible as being the foundation of happiness not only for us individually, but also for us as a nation. About four months later, he wrote a piece in which he gave nearly a dozen reasons why the Bible should never be removed from schools, and for generations thereafter, the Bible was a school book in American education. I love that. All right, so I would like to read that. He's talking about uh, a transcript. Um, there's a, a letter that was written in 1791, which was published by the American Tract Society in 1830. You can actually purchase the whole text of that at the in the Bible in Schools pamphlet on the Wall Builders page. And he's, this is a small excerpt. Dear Sir, it is now several months that I since I promised to give you my reasons for preferring the Bible as a school book to all other compositions. Before I state my arguments, I shall assume the five 
following propositions. Number one, that Christianity is the only true and perfect religion, and that in proportion as mankind adopt its principles and obey its precepts, they will be wise and happy. Number two, that a better knowledge of this religion is to be acquired by reading the Bible than any other way. Okay, we listen to a lot of sermons, but I'm telling you guys, the number one way to know about Christianity is to read the Bible for yourself. Yes. Okay. Amen. Number three, that the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. Any other book in the world. Guys, if you're reading a ton of books, if you're doing self-help and you are not spending an equal amount of time in the Bible, you're going nowhere. You're going wow. in circles. That the Bible contains more knowledge necessary to man in his present state than any other book in the world. Okay, and number four, the knowledge is most durable and religious instruction most useful when imparted in early life. You need to teach your children to love the word of God, to know the word of God from the time they are small and young. Number five, that the Bible, when not read in schools, is seldom read in any subsequent period of life. My arguments in favor of the use of the Bible as a school book are founded. Number one, in the constitution of the human mind. The memory is the first faculty which opens in the minds of children. Of how much consequence then must it be to impress it with the great truths of Christianity before it is preoccupied with less interesting subjects? Number two, there is a peculiar aptitude in the minds of children for religious knowledge. I have constantly found them in the first six or seven years of their lives more inquisitive upon religious subjects than any others. And an ingenious instructor of youth has informed me that he has found young children more capable of receiving just ideas upon the most difficult tenets of religion than upon the most simple branches of human knowledge. That children are closer to God than we are as we, we we're born perfect. Like we're born in the perfect of perfection of God. Yes, we're born into sin. Amen. We're born in this perfection of God and we're the closest to God because actually as we grow older, we get more corrupted by the world and that children in these early stages are more able to understand. You know why? Jesus talks about having the faith of a child, the faith of the child. Unless you're born again, unless you become as a child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let the, he says, let the little children come unto, unto me. You need to have their kind of faith. And it's un unfortunate as we grow older, we grow colder and it's harder for us to believe in things. That's mm. why I encourage parents not to try, not to tell their children that there's a Santa Claus so that you can always be honest with their children in the things that are supernatural. Um, it would be strange if it were otherwise. For God creates all his means to suit his ends. There must, of course, be a fitness between the human mind and the truths which are essential to its happiness. Number three, the influence of early impressions is very great upon subsequent life. And in a world where false prejudices do so much mischief, it would discover great weakness not to oppose them by such as are true. I grant that many men have rejected the impressions derived from the Bible, but how much soever these impressions may have been despised, I believe no man was ever early instructed in the truths of the Bible without having been made wiser or better by the early operation of these impressions upon his mind. Every just principle that is to be found in the writings of Voltaire is borrowed from the Bible, that was a, a philosopher of the French Revolution, and the morality of deist, which has been so much admired and praised, where it, it, where it ex has existed, has been, I believe, in most cases, the effects of habits produced by early instruction in the principles of Christianity. 
Number four, we are subject by a general law of our natures to what is called habit. Now, if the study of the scriptures be necessary to our happiness at any time in our life, the sooner we begin to read them, the more we shall probably be attached to them. For it is peculiar to all the acts of habit to become easy, strong, and agreeable to its repetition. And there are, there's a whole text you can read on that. Um, Michelle, do you have thoughts on that? You know... Every generation seemingly gets worse and worse and worse. Why is that? Because our founding fathers understood something. They understood that in order to have um, a sound society, having the Bible taught as education was not just a right. It was of absolute necessity. It was of absolute necessity. Yeah. Do you have... Um the I would like the foundation of American schools, Christian or secular. It's, it's all the way to the right. Mm, boom. All right. How about the, now? How this is a clip. If you guys have seen Monumental, this is a <clears> clip <throat> from Monumental where uh, we're talking about the monument. And on the monument, um, and I'm not going to go into that. You guys know the Forefathers Monument. There is an education, and it's a, a woman, and she's uh, it's represented um, that. We are to teach our children, that society is to teach the, our children according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is an excerpt from Monumental talking about Christian education. Schools. Well, they were thoroughly Christian as well. You know, we, when we talked about education involving the monument, we saw that education was one centered in the home. Parents are the primary educators. The first schools were started to teach people a knowledge of the scripture. It being one chief project that our old deluder Satan to keep men from a knowledge of the scriptures. That's what motivated them to, to start the first schools and colleges. They didn't want their children or anyone for that matter to be ignorant of God's word. That's why they started schools. That's why they had a dark age. <laughs> it wasn't like, well, we have a school and, oh, and, and you know what? It would be good to put a religion class as part of the curriculum or we'll have a class called Bible. No, the whole point of starting school at all was so that people would not be ignorant of the truth of God's word. And that wasn't just elementary and high schools, but like you're saying, colleges and universities were started primarily by ministers to educate the clergy because they had to be the most educated of all if we wanted a whole nation of people that uh, were knowledgeable of God's word. And, and you know, the, the greatest curse that those early Americans felt could come upon the land would there be an ignorant, impotent clergy raise its head in the land. Said if we have that, we're gonna go back into the dark ages. That's why they say, well, we're gonna start colleges to train a godly ministry because without that, we're not gonna have a hope of building this, this free nation. So they started Harvard, started Yale, William and Mary, you know, those were the first three colleges, but they were to train godly ministers to teach people in the truth of God's word. Wow. So teaching, speaking of that, so America's founders actually, when they went to college, instead of this left-wing propaganda, it was immersed in the word of God. Uh, too many indisputable facts, facts from American history are ignored today because they impede the direction many progressives want to move our culture. For example, while they claim that the founders were largely secularists, few today know that most of them were graduates of college and universities that specialized specialize in training ministers, okay? 
literally the the doctors and the lawyers they were going to colleges that were basically set up just to train ministers amen princeton was founded in 1746 and john witherspoon a gospel minister and signer of the declaration of independence was the college president from 1768 to 1794 he trained scores of individuals who became national and state leaders princeton required that every student should attend worship in the college hall morning and evening wow Yale University, founded in 1701, had Thomas Clapp as its president from 1740 to 1766, when many of the founders actually attended school. Clapp affirmed, the original end and design of colleges was to instruct, educate, and train up persons for the work of the ministry. That's it. The original point of college. You think you're supposed to go to st for, for STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and college is supposed to do this. And guess what, guys? You want to go? You want our, our our country to go to hell in a handbasket? You take that roadmap that the founding fathers gave us and you burn it. Wow. That's what you're doing. That's what we're doing. When we think that we can just send kids to uh, godless institutions and then wonder what's going wrong. You were not trained according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I went to public school, and I wasn't necessarily changed, trained according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are doing makeup. We are trying to make up for the fact that we are ignorant of those things that pertain to life and godliness. That is why our country is off track. You're, the, you look at the politicians. Why can't they do this right? Why can't they do that right? Because they and their peers were not trained according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. The foundation. How did our country go off its moors? How do we have crooks and criminals who they were not inculcated with this knowing that God watches you and God uh -oh. is going to judge you and send your soul to a fiery pit if you live a licentious, uh, lust-filled life. If you're living for yourself. Our founding fathers believed in something that they all believed in a just God. Mm. And a system of rewards and punishments, meaning that if you do the right thing, you'll be rewarded, hopefully in this life, but definitely in the next. And if you do the wrong thing, if you're not punished in this life, you will be in the next. That's the basic aim. And so teaching children, not that Santa Claus is watching them to, for Christmas presents. Imagine that times a million that God is watching you and your soul is on the line. Okay. You know, so um, our friend uh, Liberty Warrior Nation over here, um, if you guys aren't subscribed to his channel, you totally need to be, says the Liberty Tree needs refreshed. An immoral nation will fall. Time to put God back in this nation. Uh, Rosemary says, I remember prayer and pledge each day in early elementary school. Uh, Liberty Warrior Nation says they are there for power and for money. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about the, the actual design for college and higher education being for training up for the ministry i'm looking at the the stark contrast of so many parents who and this is legit i have heard this who send their kids to college even though their kids have no idea what they want to do or what they want to be when they grow up because they want their kids to experience the fun of college, like I just can't imagine robbing my child from the experience of all their peers and just having the college life and it's just so fun and it'll help them become an adult. These guys uh, were going to college at 14 years old, sometimes even younger than that. These people were, were being trained in kind of a very, it wasn't boring, but a, a rigorous, very rigorous lifestyle in order to make the world a better place. Yeah. If you do 
anything in life because you think it's going to be super fun and it's going to fulfill your flesh and it's something you just don't want to miss out on and you're not doing it because God himself is leading you there because he has a call and a design and a purpose for you, then you are doing yourself or your children the greatest disservice that you ever can. You will strip away the actual meaning of education from your children if you send them to college because A, you just want them to have a good education or you want them to have the college life or the experience that literally will will have a negative impact and effect on your child yeah harvard university was founded in 1636 um and john uh josiah 16 years after the pilgrims came here yeah that's a very short time exactly um there's a picture i don't know if you can bring this up that the original 1650 harvard incorporation charter from uh walbert's library actually has that uh, wall builders and the blaze john uh um uh, beck glenn beck glenn beck they have one of the largest collections of pilgrim um memorabilia but wall builders has the largest collection of american original documents from our founding fathers so josiah quincy harvest president from 1829 to 1845 noted the college was conducted as a theological institution having religion for its basis and chief object. Could you say that now? No. And they're revision, they're called revisionists in history, revisionist historical people. This is what they do. It's what communists do. Okay. Every single Ivy league school was actually a small school founded to teach ministers. Don't let Harvard gaslight you. Don't let Yale lie to you. Don't let Princeton lie to you. But this isn't a Christian nation. Exactly. How can you say this isn't a Christian nation when our elite schools, their very sole purpose wasn't to train ministers as in go get a theology degree as some sort of like science degree, but it was to train ministers to affect men's souls. A degree would have done you absolutely no good whatsoever in 1636, 16 years after the pilgrims landed here. They came here 16 years prior with 16 years prior with absolutely nothing. You're not getting a job with their degree. The only thing you are doing, and by the way, Leah, can we while we're on the subject of education, it's a completely morphed view that you should get higher education to have a piece of paper in order to get a job. The Absolutely. idea of education, whether it was apprenticeship or you or actual book learning, you name it, throughout history has always been to actually learn a thing so that you can execute it and do it, not to prove to someone that you can, but to actually do the work. Exactly. A piece of paper was never necessary and until like the last uh, honestly, 75 to 100 oh, years. You're absolutely right. Look, you, and I don't have time to go into this, but that maybe that's a great show for another time. The history of uh, college degrees and certificates, all of that, all the certificates and the college degrees are literally set up to control people and to keep people out. Okay. And, and right now our government, you guys don't know this only allows a certain number of people to go to medical school to be doctors can you believe that can you believe that you can go to school you you can we can have as many lawyers as we want it's the only thing that is limited i think it is you we can have as many you anybody can be a lawyer 
Anybody can be a, a journeyman electrician. But not anyone. So when they tell you in school that you can literally be anything that you want, they mean anything except for maybe you can't be a doctor of and they medicine. limit how many people can go into each field. They limit it. I want to be a brain surgeon. Well, maybe if you make the quota. There are so many people, you have no idea. The, the number of qualified candidates for medical school far exceeds not just the um, spaces in the university. Okay, that's one. But the, the uh, allotment that the, govern the government allows. This, why don't people talk about this? Because here's the thing. It's set up that way because in the 70s, there were there was a doctor's union, basically, that wanted to keep their prices uh, high. Their prices high. So they were saying, wait a minute. If you flood the field with doctors, then we won't be able to keep our prices that high. No comp competition. So that's why you don't have your country doctor anymore. That's why you can't get some medical treatment for a couple chickens. Okay, that's because the government is stopping you from having somebody who has some knowledge. Because here's the thing. Our bodies are very, um, very complex. Okay, even Luke was a doctor. It is helpful to have people who have seen with their eyes different ailments. And then you learn from that person who's seen with their eyes different ailments and, and found whether it's herbal remedies or yeah. surgeries that help with things because we've always had gout and tumors and <laughs> pregnancies that have issues. You need people who know specific things. Even it's, it's the same thing with like animals. If you were raised on a farm, there are, you're going to, you might come across a one in 10,000 chance of having a certain issue with your horse. Right. Okay. So there are veterinarians who see thousands of horses who see it who see a certain that one in ten thousand thing they'll see that once or twice then they'll have the somebody experience. else who's seen it yeah. and they learn from somebody and then they're actually doctors who are supposed to meet together and say have you seen this and these and that's why we have certain so specific you, professions and that's why you're supposed to learn from other people because actually the vast knowledge can be held by most people Exactly. But when you have specific knowledge for things that require many years to learn how to do certain tasks, uh, you need to know and learn from somebody who's done those tasks for years. So we, you know, on our show, we say it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. There is a conspiracy. We are all well aware of it, especially since 2020, that they want to keep us unhealthy, mm -hmm. right? So there is a huge part of that that says... We're going to limit doctors, not just for money, but also to keep you unhealthy. And kind of the the one pushback that, that I see in this, the silver lining is nurse practitioners. Okay. So you can, we're, you're seeing yeah, this rise. You can have as many, you, anybody can be a nurse practitioner. Exactly. And I, th I find that that's really encouraging. So when it comes to um, education and, and all of these things... Everyone has the right to do what God has called them to do. And your government never has the right given by God or man to tell you that you can't do what God has called you to do. And if that means going into the medical profession and field, um, then we need to start speaking to these things. We, we look at like, well, you know, we're told by them. We could have the cure by cancer if you cure for cancer by now if you guys had just done X Y Z and this that and the other and I'm looking at them I'm going we could have the cure 
to cancer by now if you had allowed more doctors to enter into the field. Yeah. Altogether, 29 signers of the declaration graduated from religiously founded universities. But to acknowledge this today would certainly contra contradict the common educational asser assertion that our founders were largely atheists, agnostics, and deists who wanted a secular country. But those assertions are not true. Governor Morris, a signer of the Constitution and the most active member of the Constitutional Convention, openly asserted, Religion is the only solid basis of good morals. Therefore, education should teach the precepts of religion and the duties of man towards God. We actually have a duty towards God. What is our duty to, to, towards God? To love our neighbor as ourselves, To love the Lord our God with all our, our heart and soul and strength. To, te to keep the commandments. And the basis of education is to teach children that. If your children are not in a place that is teaching them the Ten Commandments mm. daily. Come on. Pull them out right now because you are literally poisoning their mind. Absolutely. You are poisoning them. I would and say later on in life, they're going to have to get that poison out. I think it's child abuse. It is. It is absolutely is. We'll just say it like it is. In fact, he warned there must be religion. What a, what that ligament is torn. When? when I think well, it means, I think there's when. Maybe it's the way he they, they said that. Okay. Uh, when, but we'll say when that ligament is torn, society is disjointed and its members perish. The most important of all lessons is the denunciation of ruin to every state that rejects the precepts of religion. And by religion, he meant Christianity. Yes. Um, this is, I'm not going to play this entire video, but if you would please bring up um, the philosophy of early education, the laws of nature and nature's God. And start maybe from the beginning here. This is David Barton. If you guys do anything else after you're done here today, if you're doing dishes... I think my show's pretty good, but I'm telling you, there is nothing like listening to David Barton. I could listen to him over and over again. Every time I do, I learn something new, even though I've heard him speak um, or say the same thing three or four times. This is, he goes to churches and each, each time he goes, he puts together like an hour presentation presentation and they're so good and they're so jam packed with information and uh, for shortness of time, I can only play a portion of this, but I want to play a portion of this just to whet your appetite because I know you're going to go watch this. This is the philosophy of early education, laws of nature, nature's God, David Barton. Just to teach religion, morality, and knowledge. Let's start from the beginning. I said yesterday. Well, okay, there's this weird looking screen, so I was trying to fast forward past it. Oh, okay. So, okay, the, the, the very foundation of, uh, of American education was to teach religion, morality, and knowledge. Number one. Just to teach religion morality and knowledge, which is why I said yesterday, U.S. Supreme Court ruled in an 8-0 decision that if you're going to be a public school, you have to teach the Bible. We're not going to have a public school that won't teach the Bible. So that's what education was to do. Second thing that it was to do was to teach thinking skills. Now today we're all into learners. We're learners and we have learning skills. We used to be thinkers. We had thinking skills. Big difference. I'll show you the difference because that really is part of where I want to head today. And the third thing we did was to instill very high expectations. Uh, it was that until 1920, you finished school when you were 13 years old. And at 13 years old in 1920, everybody finished school. You either went to college or you got a permanent career because you're an adult when you're 13. That's the way it was in the Bible. When you're a Jewish boy at 13 or a Jewish girl, you have your bar mitzvah, bas mitzvah. You're an adult. You're, a, you're an elder in a synagogue at the age of 13. You already know the Bible. You've already gone through it. So we are to the point now where that according to the U.S. government today, 
the age of adolescence, which used to end at 13, and then it was moved up in the 1970s, 80s, 90s. It was the age of 18 is when you became, your, your adolescence ended. Today, according to the U.S. government, adolescent ends somewhere between the ages of 35 and 40. So <laughs> we're considered an adolescent. We become, we seem to become more immature as a nation. So we used to instill very high expectations. Now, I want to go back to this one about thinking skills. The way we taught thinking skills, very different from what we do today. Uh, forensics is something we use to do that. Forensics is a Latin word. It comes from 1650. It means to learn the art of public argumentation. I want to show you some of the forensics that 13-year-olds did in America. Uh, it's going to be hard for you to read. I'll read it out loud because the print is small. But this is, a, this is an early book by one of the founding fathers, uh, Robert Troop Payne. And this talks about the forensics they were doing. Again, this is for 13, 14-year-olds. Forensics, here, this one, it says, whether the conduct of the patriots who destroyed the tea in Boston Harbor in 1773 is to be condemned. Here's what happened. You walk into the classroom, the teacher says, okay, today we're going to talk about whether the Boston Tea Party is something that should be praised or something that should be condemned. And I'll tell you now, if you know that incident in history, and if you think about it, it you can take either side of that. I mean, there's not a clear right and wrong on that. that. That's not like a Bible verse that says this is right and this is wrong. This is one that both sides can argue, and that was the point. They walk in, the teacher said, okay, you take four, you take against, you guys go after it right now. And so you start having to argue. It doesn't matter what your belief is. You have to argue and see what the weaknesses is in the other guy's argument. See if you can find those weaknesses and see if you can make strengths in yours. And after you get done, say, okay, now flip it. Let's go the other way. You go. And so you had to learn the art of public argumentation. You had to think through all the weaknesses, all the logic that wasn't there, what was missing. You had to develop your own strength of arguments, find out where your own weaknesses were. You thought through all of that, and you had to be able to present that publicly. Here's some more. Thesis or a forensic. I associate with no one. I employ no one who's not of my party and religion and politics. If you ain't in my group, I'm not going to hire you. Okay, let's talk about that. You take four, you take against. Now let's flip it, go the other way. Another one. Is there less danger in believing too much or too little? Is it more dangerous to believe too much or to believe too little? Let's go at it. And one more. Uh, is there more to be gained or more to be lost by a new translation of the scriptures for common use? Wow. Now, this is the stuff we were doing. This is, this is over 200 years old, what we're looking at here. This is the kind of arguments that we had for 13-year-olds all across America. This is what we see. We're teaching how to think. We're not causing you to be learners. We're teaching how to think. Mm. Uh, this, this concept of learning the art of pu public argumentation, that's thinking through something. So what happens is we also have Bible verses that speak to us very clearly. You may be familiar with this Bible verse. Most Christians tend to hear it a whole lot from their parents and church and pastors. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old and won't depart from it. You know, if we'll just teach you, teach you this stuff when you're young, when you're old, you'll come back to the faith if you leave. No, that's not what it says. If you look at the actual original Hebrew, it doesn't say train up a child. It says catechize a child. Now, catechism is a specific teaching method. It is the way that you teach subjects. It is, it, it's the use of questions and answers. We believe this so much that in America, back in that day when we had 13-year-olds um, going to college all the time, and, and by the way, one of the things that we do in the summer, we have leadership training in the summer two weeks at a time. We bring in 18 to 25-year-olds, and we'll go through this leadership training, going back to a lot of this stuff. We have now, we have kids that come in, they're working on their PhDs, and they have their master's degrees, and they're already teaching, 18 through 25, and we give all of them the eighth grade exit exam from 1920. Haven't had a single person pass the eighth grade exit exam from 1920. 
it's like they are so much more advanced than where we are, and this is even for those that are working on PhDs. So catechize a child, you know, it's exactly what we did. Let me show you. I mentioned Pause yesterday we have 120,000 documents from before 18. So my aunt Stell <laughs> always felt horrible. She was um, born in 1901, and she always felt horrible because she only got an eighth grade education. Yeah. But she got a better education than these guys who are 25 earning their PhDs. Hands down. And uh, and honestly, we have um, friends of ours that are part of the old order of Mennonite. And um, they finished their education, I think. At eighth grade. At eighth grade. And they are so intelligent. What happens is we have this extended period of adolescence that is a complete waste of time and it is per purposefully designed to keep children in a perpetual adolescence. And it's actually designed to keep children from elementary through eighth grade to be dumbed down and stupid. Exactly. Because they're not giving them what they're fully capable of, of learning. Right. 1812, we have thousands of documents out of education. Look at the textbooks and the titles of the textbooks. A catechism on ancient history. We taught world history, but using a catechism. We have a catechism of agricultural chemistry and geology. We have a catechism on American law. We have a catechism on etymology, which is science, the study of insects. You have a catechism on American history. You have a catechism on astronomy. You have a catechism on music. You have catechism on electricity. You have catechism on, geogra on geography. You have catechism on mineralogy. You have catechism on chemistry. You have catechism on the... We did everything with catechisms. We had a lot more knowledge. We had a lot more retention. We thought a lot better. Because the Bible says if you catechize someone when they're young, when they're old, they won't lose that. Well, that's a teaching method. It's not just teach people the Bible when they're young and they'll always remember it. That's not true. If you teach them through a catechism, they're going to remember it. Mm. And that's what we did. Was we believe the Bible. And so this is the educational teaching method we use. Now, we don't like it. They, oh, the question and answers, that's so boring. Let's have something that's a lot more interactive. And, yeah, we've got a lot more interactive stuff, but we're not doing real well on educational achievement now. It's actually slipped. And that's why I say an eighth grade X exam from the 1920s, we haven't found anybody that can pass it today. And that's at the college level and above. So what happens with the catechism is you learn to answer questions. You ask who, what, when, where, why, and how. And if you can answer those questions, you have thought through something. You now have ingested the content. You understand the content. And you can argue it to someone else. You can persuade them, convince them. You can stand your own ground. You're not going to get picked off. You've thought through all the stuff. So this is what we did with catechisms. Now, this changed. And the reason it changed and the, and the time it changed, it changed in the 1920s. We said a lot of educators back then said, let's not do this thinking thing anymore. And so particularly what was called the Progressive Education Association in the 1920s, they came up with five systemic changes to the pedagogy of the way we teach. What we do in schools today is the result of what they implemented 100 years ago. Uh, the five things they did, one of the things they did, and by the way, these were the leading educators back at that point in time. You had Robert Ingersoll and Francis Wayland Parker and Lester Ward, and you had Kilpatrick and you had John Dewey, all these guys, these are the guys who say, oh, no, no, we got to do education. We've been doing it this way a hundred years. Let's try something new. And so we started doing something new just because it was time to do something new. And these guys wanted to do it and everybody bought into it. And so what happened was we changed from thinking and said, instead of emphasizing thinking, let's, let's make everyone a learner. Let, let, mm. Let's do learning. And so what happens is when you change an emphasis from thinking to learning, what you do is you take the emphasis off the student and you put the emphasis on the teacher. 
you're going to learn what I tell you. Now, no longer are you going to feed yourself. Now, you're going to be, see, being a thinker is like learning how to fish as opposed to someone giving you a fish. When you're a learner, someone's giving you the food you're going to eat, and you eat what they give you. When you're a thinker, you can go out and catch food for yourself, and you can think for yourself, and that's the difference. We've had this fundamental shift. And so the emphasis on the student to the teacher, this is the first time in American history that we introduced testing that was fill in the blank. We introduced the testing of true and false. We introduced the testing of multiple choice, and it was because I'm your teacher. Did I tell you this or this, true or false? I told you this and fill in the blank. Did I tell you ABC? See, we're teaching you to recite back to us what we told you. Mm. See, we're, we're now we're in charge of all the information that goes to you, which makes us a small end of the funnel. Everything comes through us. This is where Jesus said in Luke 6:40, every student when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. That's not necessarily a good place to be. You want to be able to feed yourself and train and grow bigger than your teacher and have the right view. You want to be able to think through everything. And your teacher may have a bias that's not accurate. You don't want that bias if it's not an accurate bias. You want truth. And so that's what we did. But that changed in the 1920s. And so this is what we do today is we don't teach thinking. We teach learning. That's the way our tests are as well. As a result, that makes American people a very gullible people. We're open to indoctrination. Whatever the views of our teacher are, that's what's going to become my views as well, which is why, as I pointed out yesterday, four out of five do not believe there is absolute moral truth in America. How can you say there's not absolute moral truth? Two out of three Christians don't think there's absolute moral truth because we've been indoctrinated. We, we've gone through indoctrination that says, oh no, you get to live your own life. You get to determine your own truth. You can be whatever you want to be. There's 92 genders. You choose the one you want to be. No, just because someone believes that doesn't mean that's true. And so what happens is we're now very gullible for a lot of things that would never have flown in previous generations when we were thinkers. They've never flown in any other culture, any other civilization, any other era, any other millennia. Real quick, They're now this floating is really in America. Because okay, so um, I think that one of the major differences between those on the right and those on the left, and I would encourage you on the right if you are continually going down the path with like oh donald trump is going to be reinstated and blah 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 blah. i would encourage you to think your for yourself be a thinker okay be a thinker That's um really a lot of us on the right tend to just just be reactionary to the left okay and god love the q anon people Okay, but because you were taught a system on how to digest information, you're not able to think clearly. We aren't able to think clearly. Okay, it is it is a it is the it is a feature, not a bug, of the education system. If you were thinking clearly, you are um, divergent. Okay, because the whole system, the idea of keeping you there for 18 years is not to educate you. It's to make sure that you don't think for yourself. Exactly. Okay. And so when it comes to the reason I brought up Q is because in the beginning, Q was encouraging people to think for themselves. Look at all the different aspects of the information. Okay. But then there are offshoots. I do believe the CIA has gotten into this, this, this. This mindset and is throwing people down different paths that don't make sense. Like you, they're not rational. Okay, um, 
And so I, I encourage you It's almost you all, supernatural is what it is. It's a belief system that I believe in this so much that I believe that something that's completely irrational and unplausible, which is what a religion is, can happen because I believe that it is true. Yeah. Be careful who you're listening to. And this is what I encourage all of you to do in your brain and in your mind, okay? I write things down. I do long-form debates in my head and long-form debate. Like, the reason Twitter doesn't work, I think, is because you... I don't believe that you should be changed or your, your opinion should be changed by one argument. I believe we should sit down and we should list a whole bunch yeah. of arguments on one side... Um, unfortunately, Michelle and I use this too much on each other, um, for, for stupid things because we're really good at here's point A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. You don't need to do that on whether you should go to the grocery store or not. Okay. I argue about I'm just joking. Sort of okay. Um, but when it comes to deep, uh, philosophical things, it's really important to know both sides of an argument. Yeah. And this is where I think... Our founding fathers were so good because they could argue both sides of whether we're going to go to revolution or whether we shouldn't. And they did. Yeah. And then they came to where's the weaknesses in going, going, where's, where are the weaknesses in not going? And they knew each other's positions so well, they could argue each other's positions, but then they found the weaknesses in each position. So when it comes to abortion, I could sit there and I could argue I could argue their stance better than they argue their stance. When it comes to January 6th, I could argue insurrection. I could argue non-insurrection. I could do both. We need to be able to do both. Um, let's just play a few more minutes here of David Barton, and, and then we'll, we'll ring it. we're getting to the end of our, our hour program here. Because nobody questions them. It's just we're, we're in this gullible kind of state. So having said all of that, what I want to do is talk about how we used to use reason in a way that we don't now. We used to use thinking skills. To do that, I want to just start with, with America for a moment. Let me put America in perspective. Um, if you're from other nations, don't know what you think about America. Hang on, I just what I'm going to show you really doesn't matter what you think about America. It's statistical. It's factual. When you look at where America is with our form of government, the Constitution that we've had since 1787, you look at where we are now under the Declaration Constitution, our governing documents, um, we are unique among the 195 nations of the world. There's 195 nations this year at the UN. It goes up and down every year. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars. It was that way when we left. It'll be that way till he gets back. You've got a revolution over here. Somebody has a civil war over here. This nation took over. The, it, it changes. Every year the numbers go up and down. This year there's 195 nations at the UN. We have had our constitution for 231 years. Now, that's the only constitution we've ever had in our entire history. We've had one. Let me show you what's happened to other nations in the world in that same period of time. For example, if you're from France, you've had 15 constitutions in the same time we've had one. Just look at the other nations. Now, whatever you think about America, there's something unusual here in the fact that we've only had one constitution in our entire lifetime. This is significant. I was in Poland earlier this year dealing with government officials over there, took a congressional delegation to Poland. And I, poke, I spoke to people in Poland that in their life, they have lived through nine constitutions in their own life. They've experienced nine constitutions. We never think about that. Do you know what the average length of the constitution in the history of the world is? 
The average length of Constitution in the history of the world is 17 years. Wow. That's what most nations average. We, 231, and by the way, most nations in the world average a violent revolution every generation or so. We've only had one. That's different. So regardless of whether you think America is any good or not any good, we are unique with stability. We have stability like no other nation in the history of the world. We also have creativity. There's a lot of ways to measure creativity. You have particularly what are called international copyrights and patent laws. America represents 4% of the world's population. We're not a very big nation. 4% of the world's population okay, should produce 4% of the world's whatever. If you're he goes on to say, and I've seen this before, about um, just the what American education, like the benefits of this Christian education uh, that have that have wrought. The in this book that I encourage you guys to get, um, when we talk about teaching kids according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, this was uh, a the Ten Commandments put into a short and easy rhyme for children. Thou shalt have no more gods but me, before no idol bend thy knee. Take not the name of God in vain, dare not the Sabbath day profane. Give both thy parents honor due, take heed that thou no murder do. Abstain from words and deeds unclean, steal not, though thou be poor, poor and mean. Make not a willful lie, nor love it, what is your neighbor's dare not covet. And that was something that was actually in school at the time. Here's a prayer in school. Remove me far from, remove me, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or at least I be poor and steal and take the name of God in vain. That is something that children were taught. They had yeah. to recite that. Well, I've got one right here um, that I want to pull up for everybody because it's it's neat to to see to to see uh, to read along with it. And you've got the um, you've got it right there. Uh, let me make this a little bit bigger here. This is the alphabet: K L M N O P Q R S T. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the um, issues of life. Liars will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Pray to thy father who is in uh, who is in secret and the father who sees in secret will reward thee openly. So it goes on throughout the alphabet there. And I just love that these are all scriptures. Guys, when you tell me that the founding fathers intended separation of church and state, I will raise you the New England primer. No, it's the exact opposite. Your children <clears throat> deserve to know the gospel of Jesus Christ and be taught according to the principle of Jesus Christ. Do you have the timer for me? Yeah. So we know how much time we've got. We have just two minutes left. All right. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning when thou dost wake to God for his grace thy petition make. Some heavenly petition used daily to say that the God of heaven may bless thee alway. always. Always. Um, how about in, um, you know, let's see. Uncertainty of life. I in the burying place may see graves shorter there than I. From death's arrest, no age is free. Young children too may die. My God, may such an awful sight awakening be to me. Oh, that thy, oh, by early grace I might for death prepared to be. 
and we see that children are not prepared for, for death at all. They don't understand it. So they were preparing children for death and the afterlife before it even happened. This is good. Learn these four lines by heart. Have communion with few. Boom. Be intimate with one. Wow. Deal justly with all. Speak evil of none. So good. All right. I have loved this. We will, um, we, we may likely pick this up or something like it for next week for our Brighteon segment. If you guys aren't aware, we do a Brighteon show every Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, where we kind of love to go into, it's, it's always Christian in nature in some sort, but really getting into the education of ourselves, of, of who our founding fathers were. Well, we actually have to re-educate ourselves. We do. And so when we're reading these things, we're re-educating ourselves. We're giving ourselves a good education. That's something that I need to remember. Have communion with few. Be intimate with one. Deal justly with all. Speak evil of none. That's so good. All right, you guys. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth. We love you. God loves you. God bless. Don't forget to re to visit resistancechicks.com. Click on the banner in the up uh, upper right-hand corner there to register for the free giveaway for a three-day pass to the Old School Survival Boot Camp. We will see you next Sunday right here on Brighteon.tv and everywhere else throughout the week. Bye, guys. God bless.